Welcome to the Built Not Born podcast presented by Edge Leadership Academy. I'm your host and founder of Edge Leadership Academy, David Kitchen, and together we're going to spend some time with some of the top leaders in their fields to figure out what built them into the leaders they are today and what we can take away from their journey. Thanks for joining me on the show. If you like what you hear, please like, share, leave a review so we can continue to reach as many aspiring leaders as possible. Also, be sure to join us on our website, www.edgeleadershipacademy.com, for access to all of our free content and resources for leaders and those wanting to be leaders. And be sure to give us a follow on social media so we can keep the conversation going. I'm fired up to be part of this project, and I'm looking forward to diving into this conversation. Leaders are built, not born. guys welcome back to another episode of the built not born podcast i'm your host david kitchen and today i'm joined by coach lou corella coach lou has been coaching for over 13 years in strength and conditioning he's been a director of strength and conditioning at three division one schools uh, he was a 2018 strength and conditioning coach of the year and anybody that follows his social media knows this guy is about motivation this guy is about leadership and this guy is about consistent work ethic um, so i thought there was nobody better to get in here on a big finish friday than coach lou uh, so, Coach, we'll turn it over to you, man. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and how you got to where you're at. No, thanks again for having me. This is great. You're doing a great thing for people and looking forward to this. Um, so, who I am, I guess, in a nutshell, you know, I'm Lou Corella, born and raised in Tampa, Florida, and um, was really born in New York, but then we moved to Florida when I was two. Um, but I always played football, you know, my whole love for you know, sports was football. All my friends came from that game and uh, played it in college at D2 and D3 level. Had a great time. All those friends were in my wedding, you know, just a lot of great things came from this game. But um, the most important part of the game to me was always the work that went into the game. So I felt like that's kind of who made me who I am, the work. So uh, didn't learn that till a little bit later but I wish I knew it earlier. So, if, you know, if high school kids are listening, God bless, man, change now. So, uh, but I've been coaching, like you said, for a little bit. I uh, started as an intern at USF in South Florida for one summer while I was still in college. Then I did another internship the following summer at UVA and just worked uh, for free that summer too. And then I went back to college and then I got a graduate assistant job at Mississippi State. Uh, there for a year and a half and then got an assistant job at Georgia Tech that was my first assistant job in 2010 then I moved back to Mississippi State as a full-time assistant and then six months later I took another assistant job at the University of Michigan stayed there for three years and then I got my first head job at North Texas and then on to Louisiana Lafayette and on to Buffalo and now Georgia Tech so so you got the, the full strength coach experience of traveling all over the country and, and, and up and down and three months here, six months there, man. I, I remember when I took my first job at UNLV, it was uh, they offered it to me on Wednesday. I was on a plane on Thursday and, and in the weight room on Friday. So for those of, you, those of you guys that aren't familiar with the coaching arena, that's kind of how things roll. So when coach talks about moving all over the country, man, those those are fast and furious and, and you hit the ground running. Um, so, coach, it's it's awesome to hear, you know, all the varied experiences that you've had in your life that lead up to this point, you know, I have to ask, cause I think every leader has that one influence that drives them. And that one voice that is kind of like this shapes, you know, in a way who I am. Um, so I'd love to hear who was the biggest influence in your life and what lesson did you take from them? It's hard to narrow it down to one, but I got, I got two 
compartments of that. So I got my family, obviously, where my dad texts me still every day at 6 a.m., you know, just to say good morning and have a great day and stay strong and, you know, be smart, that kind of stuff. So I guess that would be the person that's always stayed consistent no matter what I was going through, no matter how down I was, no matter what it was. I know my dad was my rock my whole life. So um, there's that. And then there's this profession I'm in. There's two guys, really, I I have three mentors, but there, there was three different impressions on me that lasted to now and and this started as an intern ron mckeefrey still has an impression on me who taught me the organization the flow of this profession made me see if it was even a thing that was possible for me but matt bayless he was the guy that i got the motivation and the leadership and the vision of really loving this whole side of the way it is the way it should be the the how you do it not just why and you know he kind of gave me my, my passion for my vision. And then Aaron Wallman, who's just the, one of the smartest people I know, uh, worked with him at Michigan for three years, sat next to him for three years, watched him getting to work at 3 a.m. every day just to get his work done before the day started. Values that I can't even start to talk about because it would take too long. So those three still last to this day when I come to work. Love that. And I think that's big time right there. I think exactly what you just said is, is a trait of a great leader. And that's the fact that you were able to dial in, Hey, I don't just have one mentor. I have these people that I respond and respect and, and admire these traits and these characteristics. And I pull something from each of them. That That's the sign of a lifelong learner, man, being able to learn from multiple sources and pull things from each people, each person um, and mold them into your own kind of kind of viewpoint. So I, I guess we'll take it back even a further step. You know, what made you want to lead? What made you want to coach? I know you said you played ball. Um, you know, what made you want to lead? I think so ever since I've been a strength coach, especially a head strength coach, every workout I've ever given a kid, I've always done the workout before they've done it. You know, and it, it doesn't matter how crazy the workout was or how excited I got listening to my war music while I was writing. I'm doing it. You know, I, I have to make sure it's safe for the kids and I I've always loved going to an empty field where no one's there. I've always loved showing up in the dark in our stadium when no one's around and just locking in with my headphones and going. Um, I've, I've Over the years, I've really found limits and no limits to certain things that I do. And I'm not afraid to run right at them, you know? So I feel like that, in a sense, gives me the right to coach these kids, but also the greatest insight to possibly know what they're going through. And then I just feel like I've always kind of been that way of like my heart always wanted to do extra. My heart always loved the work ethic that it took to play a certain game. And I didn't respect people that just thought they could show up and roll it out. So I've always tried to do it the right way by leading first and making sure that, you know, I can do it before I try to bark orders at someone else. 100%. And and I respect that a ton because as we all know, right, there's the the big painting of George Washington. I don't know. I wasn't a history major, but they're they're crossing the river, right? And he's pointing and everybody else has an oar in their hand, man. And there's a limit to that type of leadership. At some point, you got to pick up the oar and you got to put it in the water just like everybody else. And, And so to hear that you go out there and do that stuff, I think, you know, that 
in and of itself speaks to a your character b your your understanding of the process and that you have to understand how to do things before you can expect somebody else to do it and c just the fact that you know that those types of things build buy-in with the kids you're not asking them to do something that you haven't done and i think um a lot of times in not a lot of times but in leadership people get caught up in that where they're so obsessed with where they want to go that they start asking people to do things that they haven't done and it's like hey wait a minute if you don't have an understanding of this, why are you asking me to do it? It was something I always told my intern from a strength and conditioning side is, hey, you don't get to program anything over 85% until I see you under the bar with 85 to 100% on it. Don't even write it down because it's, it's just not an option. You have to feel it. You have to know it. Um, and, and that's the old, you know, I, I think it was Ken Manny, right? You have to have the calluses on your hand. Like you, you have, right. to, have to if you want to do this thing. Um, and I think that's any any industry, you know, if you're if you're a CEO and you're telling somebody to do something and you don't have an understanding of, of how it's done. Come on, man. You know, let, let's get in. Let's get in the trenches with these guys and let's show them that we're the first one over the hill. You know, we're right. with right. you. Um, I think that's a, a big time thing. And I think it leads to what I'd love to talk about next, which is the culture you've built at Georgia Tech. Um, so to give everyone a little background, I, I coached with one of the assistant linebackers coaches there when I was out at UNLV. So I was flipping through. I saw Georgia Tech on TV and I was like, oh, let me watch Garcia, you know, see how they're doing. And the first thing that stuck out to me, man, was the culture, the excitement, the energy of your guys. Every down, every snap, every every minute of that game score was irrelevant. The energy level was just I was blown away. I was like, man, this is this is something I haven't seen out of Georgia Tech in a while. This is special. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit, like, talk to me about that process. Like, what was that like to build that when you came in? Obviously, coming from Buffalo, you had a very successful season there. What, what was the process that you guys put in place to start building that, that type of culture? So, yeah, I've had an opportunity now four different times to start a new program. And three of them, I've been the only new guy on staff. So that Georgia Tech was the first time I got to come in with a whole new staff. And um, I would just say like the genuine care you show for the kids right away and the ability to let them know that before I even coach you, I'm gonna interview you. You know, I think that kind of sends a message in a certain way to these kids like they've never been talked to before. Um, I think creating an exciting competitive environment where there's incentives every day to train hard. I mean, there's best lift groups of the day. There's lifters of the day. It's not week, it's day. And there's points being given. There's points being lost. There's ropes being tugged. There's, I mean, opportunities every day where if you're not at your best, it's kind of hard because your best is going to be expected. So, but before we expect their best, we got to make sure that they know we're here for them personally before we even coach them. So, um, first couple months on the job, I spent interviewing every kid, but the first workout is always the tone setter everywhere I've been. And these kids that I've coached over the years, they'll probably never forget the first workout. Was it hard? Absolutely not. Was it exciting? Yeah, probably more than they've ever felt. So I barged into the locker room at 6am at Georgia tech. I didn't really know many kids at all. And I started a mosh pit blowing a whistle. And uh, I was the littlest one in the room by far, but um, then I sprinted to the indoor and they all followed me. And then we just did a bunch of, I mean, on command jumping jacks over steep prowler pushes, like it just exciting kids cheering for each other kind of stuff to get the whole thing going. 
Mm-hmm. And then from there, you just, you know, you got your draft teams, you got competitive environment, you got, if you're not exciting though, like if you don't have fire in your heart, why are they going to, yep. you know, if you don't elevate the temperature in the room, the temperature is not going to get elevated. So as a leader, it's about the kids, but it's also about you being consistent to what you want to get done. Dude, you, you just said something there that is, is one of my all time favorite lines as a coach, as a leader is that we are thermostats, not thermometers. Thermometers tell you what the temperature is, but they don't affect it. Thermostats, we set the temperature. And then that's something I always tell groups when I'm doing workshops is, hey, you ever try and touch the thermostat in your house when your mom and dad sees you? What do they tell you? You don't like the temperature? Put a jacket on or put a put a shirt on or go outside or whatever. Adjust to what the temperature is because you're not changing it. And that's what we have to be as leaders is, hey, we set the temperature. And then everybody has to follow. But you have to be capable to stay in there, right? So for you to set that high of an energy level, now you have to be capable of living there. And so that is something I think sometimes young leaders mess up too, is they come out the gates hot and then they're like, oh, wait, I don't know if I can sustain this. And then you start to breed inconsistency. And then your kids look at you like, wait, hold on. On Wednesdays, you're jacked up. Fridays, you're a little sleepy. Like, what's the deal here? It's got to be consistent. It's got to be every single day, no matter what. This is who I am. This is who we are. Um, that type of deal. And, 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 I then, think- and then also, and then now in, in year three, because I've never been a head guy somewhere for three years. Mm-hmm. So in year three, I'm seeing something completely different than I've ever seen anywhere. Where, yeah, first year was hard, man. Changing the triple option around to the pro style offense to take on these giants we got to play. Yeah, that, from, from a kid that's never passed that before to try to teach him. Ridiculous turnaround that no one's ever had to try to do. Size, you kidding me? No lineman was bigger than 280. So, you know, now it's like 315 average. But year three, just talking about energy, I I have not had to do so much at all. The kids have completely taken it over where the entrances to these lift groups are the most insane things I've ever seen. They barge in. They kidnap me. They steal me and take me to like Coach Collins's office. Then we do our breakdown and then we run back and start our lift or they'll throw me in the cold tub or they'll like, I mean, if one of them had a wrestling match before they put a pad down and two of them had a little wrestling match. And uh, it's so much fun right now watching the energy take a life of its own without you having to work so hard at it anymore. Dude, that's and that's phenomenal. And that's what when, when people talk about player led, that's what we're talking about. Like having the enthusiasm because they're not just enthusiastic. It's not a show like these kids are genuinely excited about the process. Like they're excited to show up and train. You know, now if you're in, in business, imagine if your sales team showed up excited to do prospecting calls. Imagine if your sales team showed up, you know, or your, your nursing staff in a hospital showed up exciting to do charts. Like they and imagine and imagine if you started really believing in the work before the results. Bang. That's that's the key to it all, man. That's the key to it all is that it, it's it's daily work. No, I, I love that, man. I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to to get on your soapbox a little bit, because there was something that you posted. Um, I believe it was during quarantine and dude, it jacked me up to the point where I think I shared it with everybody in my family. Um, you talked about consistency and you talked about this theory you have about people that are consistent in the right things and the wrong things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause that, that was something that stuck with me. Yeah. Just, just be careful what you get good at. And 
there, there are so many times where people end up in a certain spot in life and they're like, man, what, like, how, how did I get here? What, I, what, what, what step did I take wrong? It wasn't the step you took that was wrong. It was the little decisions you made every day that over time compound interest in, and now you're there good or bad. So like, yeah, I could have easily gave up after getting fired twice as I, my first two head jobs and say, you know what, this ain't worth it for my family. I'm, what am I doing? But I always believed in the, the pureness in my heart of coaching kids and, and trying to make a difference in their life and leading by example before I talk and, and just the things that I try to get good at. Yes, we're not where we want to be record wise in football, but I'm watching it every day. Compound interest into something that I've always dreamed of and people get good at, you know, giving half effort. People get good at uh, slacking off during a workout. People get good at skipping reps when your coach isn't watching. People get good at not eating right. People get good at all this stuff. They got master's degrees in this stuff. But then they wonder why they're not where they want to be because they're good at the wrong things. And, and that's really what I see every year. No matter, like, look, you got 100 kids on your roster. Not all the kids are going to be perfect. So the bottom 10% of every team, you're trying to preach messages like that to them. And say, look, man, you're getting wrong. You're getting good at the wrong stuff. Right. The, the, you're good at the stuff that's about to ruin you. So and that and that's that's huge. And I think it's it's the way you message it and the way you package it that for me it resonated because we we've all heard that before, right? It's like when people say, if I hold up a bag of chips and an apple, you know which one you're supposed to eat. Well, why do you choose the chips? Right? It's that simple. Like it's just no, you're making a choice. So sometimes it's just the packaging of the words over and over and over that the message gets driven home. And I talk about the bell curve with, you, with your teams. As a leader, I talk about breaking the bell curve. Like that is my goal as a leader is to break the bell curve. I want to bring so many people to the right that the bell curve doesn't exist in our culture anymore because I've, I've dragged everybody, as many people just like a magnet to the right side of that curve. And I think one of the biggest things is exactly what you just said, consistency, man. I, I tell people consistency will either create 90% of your problems or it will solve them. And it's, it's up to you which one. So that that jacks me up, man. I, I love hearing other people that are passionate about that process and passionate about the little decisions. Um, when you talk about this stuff with your team and, and another you know video that kind of went viral for you guys was the built different one, right? When you talk about this stuff with your team, what are the points that you're trying to hit home? Like where, where are your, your thought processes? Are these just the, you know, spur of the moment? Like, hey, this is what jacks me up or are these things that you've already thought about? And you're like, no, I want to deliver this message today. So like a big hobby of mine has always been to come up with my own quotes or come up with, you know, or like basic thoughts, but twist it in a way, like you just said, package words and change it up and like flip it this way. And so I, I, I always write, you know, on my computer and hopefully one day it turns into a book, but um, it's just a paragraph a day of a different message that I want to tell the team. And that, that day it was, you know, <laughs> being built different so like I keep hearing all these players say all the time like oh he's built different man damn he like he's that dude's built different and I started thinking about that I'm like he's built different in your mind because you're lazy and you want to make excuses for why you're not built different you know like so basically if you're going to tell me I'm built different I guess you're trying to tell me that well I, I'm going to get to work really early 
I'm going to do your workout before you do it. I'm going to stay after and get all my work done. And then after that, I'm going to go be a great dad. And then after that, I'm going to come back and do it again. And then after that, it's like all this stuff that we talk about with people, he's built different. It's all a choice. You know, if you want to be lazy, that's a choice. If you want to not give great effort, that's a choice. But you can't tell me I'm built different. I got less genetics than all of you. You know what I mean? Like, but, but why can I do all this more than you? And I'm 13 years older than you because I never stopped because I just, I believe that's the right way. And yeah, call me built different, but I think it's a cop out. hundred percent, hundred percent, man. And I, I, I think seeing you with the guys and seeing their response to those types of messages you, you have to see it on your side. Like there's certain guys that really gravitate towards it, right? There's certain guys that really hold on to it and they start to be ambassadors of the culture, right? They start to be the guys that are separating themselves and, and kind of being you without being you, you know what I mean? Where they're, they're echoing the message. And I, t- I talked to um, coach Barham out of Ohio state. And he was talking about how eventually people start echoing coach Marathi. And he's like, those are the guys that drive the culture then. And it starts to happen. So I'd, l- I'd like to hear a little bit about your thoughts on that relationship. Like how, how do your leaders start to drive your culture? What do you look for in guys that you're going to allow the latitude to drive that culture? And like, how does that process kind of evolve for you? Leaders, leaders like in my position or coach Marathi or coach Bayless or coach Wellman or coach McKeever we have to watch how much we have to lead for others. You know, like at a certain point, you got to stop. Like you got to empower and let them go. And that's what I've seen from my mentors. And, and like I said, year three so far, we're only two months in, but year three, I've seen things that I never even thought were possible with, with the creativeness that they're coming up with on their own, you know? And, but, if you suppress the leaders too much, like if you tell them what to say, if you don't make it organic, if you try to force situations and manipulate stuff, it's not going to be real. It's not going to be genuine. So what you have to do is have a lot of individual conversations with kids. You know, it, look, group texts are great, but they don't really work, you know, because not a lot of kids want to open up in a group text. So when the more individualized conversations and empowerment behind closed doors, that's when you start to see the genuine hearts come out of the team and start to head the right direction, in my opinion. Right. So, so once you identify those guys, like you see that start to come out, what are some things that you do to like foster that? You know what I mean? To start to take a guy that's from, he's on the fringe of, Hey, this dude could lead. Maybe he's just not sure of it himself yet. How do you take him to being one of those guys that drives the culture? You'd be surprised how, how just, bringing a kid into your office one-on-one because not a lot of people do that but just to just to tell them their potential and just to reach out to their heart individually because you always talk to them in the big team settings yeah they all leave they all go to the locker room together and then it's gone Mm -hmm. but if you take a kid in your office and say look man i've been around a lot of kids you have something that i haven't seen before and here's what I think you should do with it, you know? And if, if that, if that's real to him, if he feels that he's going to let it show at some point when it really matters. And you don't have to tell him to like take over the whole room, but you do need to enforce him to almost, Hey, take control of you, the rack you're lifting on today. 
you know, empower that guy. I have you with him for that reason, you know, because we need him to be great this year, but you got to get through to him. And over, like, it all starts with the little group and then it expands to the big group. Right. That makes sense. I mean, that makes sense, man. And, and at the end of the day, like, beliefs cause actions just as often as actions cause beliefs, right? So if you can get a kid to start acting as if, he's going to start to believe it over time. And, it, and it's like that old story where, uh, you know, the kid was a bad student and he gets his SAT scores back and he did really well on the SATs, ends up going to an Ivy League school, becomes an entrepreneur, finds out 10 years later that they sent him the wrong scores. He actually did yeah. poorly on the SATs, you know, but if you believe it, you start to, you start to behave that way and you start to act right. that way. Um, and so as our job, our job as leaders and trying to empower other leaders is to get them to believe it and start behaving it even before they fully believe it. And then it'll, it'll manifest itself, man. That's, that's big time stuff. And, and it's, it sounds to me, you know, being on the, on the sciencey side of the culture stuff and, and reading all that. Now I look at these, these main tenets of a culture. Like I look at safety and trust, healthy conflict, commitment, accountability, and then attention to results. Like, I think if you can measure those things, generally you get a good idea of how successful a culture is going to be. And it's been cool because just in these first five or six questions I've asked you, you've addressed each, each one. And it's like, okay, so if you want to sit on the outside and you want to look at the culture and say, well, no, it's just coach Lou jumping around. Like that's why it's special. It's no guys, here it is. This is the science. This is what science says are the, are the important pieces of culture. Here's examples of how he's hit each, every single one. Like, so when people say, like you said, built different, no built intentionally. It's intentional. Right. You know what I mean? It's intentional. Um, so that, that fires me up. Now let's talk about your staff a little bit, man. Let's talk about how do you empower those guys? Like what are the opportunities? Cause obviously you're a big personality. Where do you find opportunities for them to lead and then to grow in their own leadership? So this past year I had to hire three new assistants, which was my whole staff. And um, I, three of my guys took the next step in their careers and very happy for them. And, Great people, love them. And then three new guys came in. So with that, it was kind of for me just starting over. You know, it was kind of like the reset button and they got to figure out what I expect, you know, how it should look, how you should look as an assistant, how, you know, blah, 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 X and O's. But how do I empower them? So every day there's, there's an, like when we do team runs, I have a station. And those three have a station. So they have an opportunity to see the whole team that day, you know, and it, it, they're coaching it and getting through to those kids. But also I give them the floor, you know, every day I give the kids a message, like, like you heard that one day. And then it, the messages come from any part of my life, mistakes I've made, regrets I have, uh, <laughs> hobbies I have that I'm still working on, um, motivational quotes, you name it like, like injuries that I've gone through or all this pain I've sucked, whatever. Um, but they have the floor too in that, in that option. So they can speak their heart. They can show their true feelings. They can share whatever they have on their mind. So I think that helps. And then also staff meetings every week where they're expected to bring some kind of value to the table where something they read, who's someone they talked to, a coaching cue they picked up, some kind of motivation to help our whole staff. So they always gotta be thinking all week of that. And then um, I'm just on a mission to get them a head job one day. Right. You know, it, it like always be working on your packet, always be working on your program. It has to be a hobby. If the workday starts at nine, 
get here at five and get a couple hours in on that packet so you can go home to your family later with a full heart right. and a mission and a mission that you're still working on. So always trying to stay on them with the approach of you need to be a head guy one day because you deserve it. And that's the belief you have to have. Now, now let me ask you this kind of off the script. When you're interviewing guys, like you said, this is the first time you get to hire a whole new staff. What, what do you say, like top three intangibles, like the things that you're just like, nope, these are things that you can't teach this. Like, what do you think are the three that you look for? Um, you try to sniff out any laziness, you know, like if you can sense it, don't hire them. And I guess how you would sense it was ask questions like, um, what are some of your greatest habits? You know, like what are, what are two strengths and one weakness you have? What are, why, why do you love strength conditioning? You know, what, what's, what's in it for you to be a leader? Would you want to become a head guy one day? Cause if you do, if you, if like you want to be a head guy one day, I, I have you now, like I, I understand what that takes. Like I had to, start as an intern and I get it and I had to go through numerous moves to even make it possible so the sacrifice and discipline and the commitment and the effort if I don't feel that in those questions I can't hire you love it yeah so it's a care it's a character thing at the end of the day that's right I mean look you're everyone's certified yeah like I don't it doesn't okay but who are you you know what do you want Yep. So and I always say too, man, people say, what do you stand for? Like, what are your values? I said, no, man, what do you fight for? Cause you can stay, right. you can stand on the right tracks, right? You're still going to get run over. What do you yeah. fight for? Like, what, what are you moving forward for? Um, so I love hearing that from other people. Like when you talk about hiring, um, because it was one of the things I'd have a resume in front of me and some of the decisions that I made hiring and firing people would be like, you didn't hire that guy. And I'm like, something just, I just felt it, man. Something with a character, there's a character flaw there that I could feel that it just wasn't the right fit. And it wasn't something that I was going to bring into our family, you know, and that, and that's, yes. the other I've hired guys on the phone. Yeah. Like I've never met them. I met them when they got there. Yep. Cause I could, I just knew I, I had the reference. Of course I had the people call me about them, but I just, I could tell right away. There's a vibe, man. There's, there's a vibe to it. I love it. So when you, when you get your guys, your, your players in and you're trying to teach these, these leadership skills and this accountability, like, I think one of the things that, that at least that I saw challenges with and, and talking to other coaches that we all see challenges with, how do we foster that peer-to-peer accountability? Because 18 to 22-year-old kids on some level, they I think they go one of two ways. They either call each other out to a level that's like shaming and demeaning and now we're like toxic or they're afraid to hurt feelings. How do we find that sweet spot to teach these kids to hold each other accountable? Because we need that as coaches, but we want to make sure it's, it's in a positive, you know, the positive conflict kind of way. It just, it, it will never work if you are not the message you preach, like period. And it, I say that to them from my end and I say that to them from their end. Like, if you want to speak at all, ever, I hope you're living right on the weekend. Like, I, I really hope you're recovering your body the way you, the way you want people to recover. I, 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 hope, I hope you finish every conditioning drill first before you tell someone else not to bend over. You know, like if, if you want people to be a certain way, act a certain way yourself. If you don't live by strong values, you're not going to give value to anyone else. Yep. Love Period. That. Yep. 
Yep. 100%. 100%. I call that, I say, check your credit score. What's your, what's your, like, what do you, why do you get to say something? Check your credit score first, man. It's, it's credibility. It's follow through, um, all of those things. Now, what do you guys do anything from like a leadership council standpoint, or do you allow a lot of that to be organic? What's kind of your approach on that? There is a leadership council. It started out as like 10 guys, then kind of jumped to like 12 or so the second year. Now it's like at 46 because we're just tired of the bottom of the roster not being to elevate the team. Mm-hmm. You know, we got young talent. We got a lot of great players. We got a lot of kids that are engaged in what we're doing. You're going to be in that leadership talk too. Love it. So we bring in different speakers every week or I'll speak or Coach Collins will speak or we'll have a position coach speak that has something on his heart. But then we'll address the issues we saw last week within the team. We'll have them talk. We'll have them address things and, you know, come up with issues that they've seen in the week and how to address it. So I think they've been very helpful. Yeah, no, I, and I, I'm a huge proponent of it. I'm a huge proponent of any, any team that I work with when they bring me in. One of the first questions I ask is, what are you doing to groom your leaders um, as far as like the, the younger people and how are you getting more voices involved? Because yep. ultimately we know this, man, one of the traps, and this is the cool thing about strength and conditioning, especially when you first get there, before you see guys play, you don't know who's talented and who's not as far as a football standpoint. So when you first walk in the door, all you know is who works hard. That's, that's all you can find out in those first, you know, 10 to 15 days, depending when you come in. Um, but a lot of times when we get in there with coaches, sometimes talent equals leadership in their eyes. And it's like, wait, hold on, hold on. I know that this dude is good for 4.5 a carry, but he's also a culture killer. So let's think about that before we put a C on their jersey. And so I think having a leadership council can kind of make you right. You know what I mean? Where it can almost it can, A, it can make that kid better by having him surrounded by great influences, but B, it also brings other voices to the table. Like you said, you're elevating the bottom half of your roster, man. It's And it's a simple, simple thing that, yeah. that I think, it, and it gives you another opportunity to have conversations with the kids. It's it's a big, big deal, man. Well, I, I want to be aware of your time here. I don't want to take up too much. I'm going to hit you with some quick wildcard questions, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, so the first one, man, what does the word legacy mean to you? Um, he did so much more than what was required of him that it inspired so many people to do so much more than they ever thought they could and that's I guess that's how I would word it what's the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received Just be the message you preach. And if you weren't coaching, where would you be? I'd be coaching. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But coach, this has been awesome, man. I, I, I love connecting with people that have like minds and, and keep living what you're living, man. I know we'll, you have a Georgia Tech fan now up in Pennsylvania. So fired up to see what you guys do this season. Um, I'll give you the mic here for the last couple of seconds. If there's anything you want to plug, any social media, anything like that. Uh, feel free to give us our closing message and then we'll get you out of here, brother. First off, I just want to say thank you. I mean, these questions, you you know, I've done podcasts before, but you got it down, man. Like you asked the right questions. You asked the nuggets that are really going to help someone. And 
we didn't spend much time beating around things. We, we went right to it. And I mean, I, you're very well-spoken. You got a lot going on for you too now. So just keep this up. Don't get frustrated and keep believing in what you're doing too. Cause I'm telling you, man, you're doing a great job. Um, I guess, I guess my closing message is if you're a leader and, or you're a coach and you expect kids to really want to buy into your program, you need to buy into yourself first and you need to be a great person. You need to really think about why are you worth listening to? Why are you, what gives you the right to coach kids? And if you can't answer those questions, honestly, and you don't like the answer, man, it's time to make a change. It's time to start living right. It's time to start leading yourself by strong values so you can add value to these kids. And I, I've seen it over and over again where kids get degraded from coaches that don't live right and don't do the right thing. So all I try to do is, is be a good person, live an honest and hardworking life, never give up no matter how hard I get knocked down and just, just keep trying my best to get through to these kids in, an, in a positive way. You know, that's the whole point of leadership. It's not about you, it's about them. But before you help them, you gotta do what's necessary in order to lead them which is work as hard as you can with honest work ethic. And that's, I guess that's what I would say. Amen, man. Thank you. That, that gets everybody jacked up as we head into the, head into the weekend here. Coach, we can't thank you enough, man. Uh, best of luck down there, Georgia Tech. Um, please stay in touch. You know, you're part of the Edge Leadership Academy family now, as far as we're concerned. Uh, this was great stuff. So, Coach, if you got anything for us, man, let us know. We'll make sure that we link uh, some of the social media stuff into the show notes. So if people want to follow some of your stuff, we'll, we'll get it out there for them. Um, but again, thanks, Coach, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Thanks. Man, if that episode didn't get you jacked up, man, I, you might not have a pulse. Coach Lou Carello was on the mic dropping absolute nuggets, um, killing it, talking about consistency, talking about leadership, talking about the difference between being built different and being built intentionally. Um, taking the time to do the work, being obsessed with the process, man. All, all the things that you want to hear from a leader are, are things that we just got to discuss with Coach Lou. Um, and if you haven't seen the culture that they're building at Georgia Tech on, on social media and, and on ESPN on Saturdays, man, make sure you guys check that stuff out. It's big time stuff. Uh, we appreciate Coach a ton. Hey, as always, make sure you guys like, share, leave a review, subscribe, do all that fun stuff so that we can keep bringing this stuff for free. Also, make sure you guys join us on the web, www.edgeleadershipacademy.com. We're dropping all types of free resources for you guys on there. We're going to make some downloadable um, PDFs of some of the infographics that we've posted as well, trying to expand that leadership library for you. So make sure you check us out there. We're trying to make sure everybody knows leaders are built, not born.